everyone. Welcome back to the Love in the Fight Marriage Podcast. I am sitting here in my living room with my co-host, Travis Rosinger. I'm here. I'm here <laughs> again. Can you believe it? And you guys are listening. We love it. Well, we are gearing up for a full week ahead. We are both on the pastoral staff team at Eagle Brook Church, and we are so excited to help out and to be a part of seven Christmas services this next week. And you know what that means, Travis? Well, I think I know what it means, but what do you think it means, Don? You know what? We have seven services to invite friends and family to. We have seven services where people will worship Jesus together and hear about Jesus. We're so pumped. It's going to be crazy cool. I can't believe that we get to be a part of that. And I know uh, all of you that are listening around the world, you have an opportunity to worship Jesus, the newborn king. It's Christmas. It's so fun. I love this time of year. It's funny because this isn't tiring for us at all. It's actually super energizing because we love people. We love our church and we love being a part of helping people come to know Jesus and say yes to having a relationship with him. And if you haven't had a chance yet to check out Eagle Brook Church online, it is so good. Just go to eaglebrookchurch.com and you will love it. I promise you, join us for our our Christmas services. Yes, we love our church. Well, another exciting thing, Travis, your book, your new book, Gripping What Matters Most, is about to be released in 2022, beginning of 2022. And we just wanted to let you guys know a little bit more about your book. Go ahead, Travis. What is it about? I can't believe it, Don. This is a dream come true for me. Obviously, you and I released our other book that we wrote together, Verbalocity. But this uh, book is is one that I wrote, and it's a couple hundred pages. But it really comes from something that's very near and dear to my heart, and that is making sure the things that matter most don't slip out of your hands, slip out of your grip, and really understanding what are those things? What are those things that should matter the most. And so we dive really deep into those things and hopefully inspire people yep. and give them a chance to look at their own lives and decide where to go in the future. Well, I'm proud of you and I'm excited for this to come out. It's it's a great book. Well, on to our podcast. We are here to do a podcast. We right? are the here to do a podcast. podcast. Yeah. But we just want to do a recap. We are on part two, but we just want to recap what part one last week, the episode was about in, you know, building a home together, marriage appraisals and renovations. And in order to do an appraisal on a house, you first have to have a couple of things. Like we talked about last week, you have to have a dream. You know, if you think about it, everything that you currently use and enjoy in life started as an idea or a dream in someone's mind. And The same is true for a house and for a marriage. You have to have a dream for what you want your marriage and your life together to be like. There are two more things after the initial dream. If it's a new house, you have to prepare the ground and make sure it's got good level soil. You can't build a home on sinking soil or soil that is contaminated. The soil not only has to be stable, but it's got to be somewhat level. It's got to be soil that will support a foundation. You have to have good soil. Yeah, it's got to be good soil and soil that isn't, you know, we talked about contaminated, but soil that will hold up uh, the house. Yes. And you know, the same thing is true in marriage. If you're going to have a healthy marriage, you have to have one where the walls are strong and the foundation endures. You must prepare the soil of your own soul, dealing with the spiritual and emotional side of yourself before you're able to be in a relationship that is healthy. So you start the dream, you make sure that you have good soil and that it's solid, and then you need to do oh, some demo, the some best demolition. Part. <laughs> yeah. You will need to do, again, tear down. You have to tear down the things that won't exist in the new house. 
In the same way, the goal for a future marriage, if you're not married yet, or a current marriage, if you already are, is to tear down the things that shouldn't belong in your marriage and your life. And if you haven't yet, I just want to encourage you to go back and listen to that episode, episode 87, part one, that kicks off this three-part series for the full details on all that we talked about. Yeah, and you were just recapping on those three main things of really what it takes to then begin to look at what it takes to build an incredible home together or house. You know, we're talking about the components of a house, but we're comparing them to the components of a marriage. And the correlation is so amazing just how much, you know, when you think of a house that we all live in, we all can relate to on a daily basis, how much that relates to foundational things that are important for a marriage. I know you guys may be thinking, oh, why did you title this episode, Building a Home Together, Marriage Appraisals and Renovations? The reason why is because marriages are so much like a house. When you go to build a home for the first time or you are about to renovate it, so much of what it takes to build a new home or renovate an old one has symbolic value for you and your family. Why is this? Some of the same skills and concepts that are required to build or renovate a house are also required to build a healthy home and a marriage for you, for your spouse, and for your family. So, appraisals. Like, why are we focusing on that word? It's a great word, but we need to answer that question. Well, we need to understand what the meaning of appraisal. The word appraisal means an act or an instance of appraising something or someone. And if you're going to have a strong, healthy marriage, then it's important to do a marriage appraisal from time to time. I know, Travis, that's something that we do. We look at our marriage. We evaluate. We, we do a lot. see where our marriage you is know, at. We have deep discussions and we really think through past behavior or, or maybe past decisions yes. that we've made. The good, the bad, the ugly. We want to make sure that we're increasing our equity in our own marriage. Well, you can't appraise the value of something until you assess its condition. You, you can appraise the value of something, but we can also appraise the value of a person, which seems weird to think about that, but that's what appraisal means. After you appraise something, you renovate it to make it better to increase its value. Yeah, and it works. We've talked about the before and after pictures before or videos. Remember uh, our recent one? You did a video of us taking down this huge thing in the living room <laughs> yeah, of the, the house in. that yes. we're working on right now. And the old, ugly built-in. Man, just seeing the video of that come down and then seeing the after pictures, it's stunning. It is. And the value afterwards is remarkable it is. how Absolutely. much it goes up. Well, Don, all this talk about building a home together or building a house together and, you know, comparing and contrasting the components of a house and comparing that to the important pieces needed in a healthy marriage makes me think of a house that I was super passionate about. I remember, I think it was like eight years ago, we were looking at buying a house. We have to bring this up again. We do, we (laughs) do, because it's too good of a story. (laughs) But we (laughs) saw this house and and it was probably closer to 10 years ago. It was on the tail end of the bubble popping. The housing market had crashed. It was coming back. But I found this house. It was almost 4,000 thousand square feet. It was gorgeous. What it have eight bedrooms? I'm kidding, but it had so many bedrooms, so many living rooms. I think like three living rooms legitimately. Um, Just incredible. And then the master suite, the husband and wife bedroom literally was like its own apartment. And this whole house, it was gorgeous. Just needed some paint and some elbow grease. It literally was being sold for $179,000. It was bargain basement price. Yeah, but I couldn't 
stand that house. It was the worst time to look at that large of a house because we were empty nesting. So I pictured just me and you in this massive house. I couldn't see anything else <laughs> because I was like, it's just me and you in this massive house and we have no kids. What are we going to do? And I hated it. I just didn't want you anything did to do with not it. Like oh, it. I'm like, no. And I almost cried. Actually, I probably did cry. I'm like, then I don't want cry. this house. I know it's a good deal, but I don't want it. Yeah. And I was crushed because I fell in love with the house. I knew that we could host parties and have tons of people fly in and stay with us. I mean, it was an incredible place, but it was interesting because our real estate agent at the time followed us around and showed us the house, but you could just see him drooling everywhere. Yeah, he knew this was an incredible house. He knew that the price tag was like a hundred thousand less than it should be. He and hadn't so seen it before. We actually found it. Before we were the ones it. that yep. found it. He didn't find it. And so as soon as we, um, you know, we were about to buy it, potentially buy it, but at the last second, we bought a different house. Thank Goodness. I was excited to buy it. You were relieved. I was disappointed. But the other house we bought ended up working out really great. But that house that I fell in love with that you didn't want, the great deal house, he asked us right at the last second, the realtor, he said, hey, do you guys care if I buy it? Yep. And our realtor bought it. And exactly. And that's when I knew it was a good deal. Okay. It was a great deal. He dropped about 50K, $50,000 into it. And then he ended up making about $100,000 on the house. Smart guy. I mean, he knew what he needed to do. Yeah, but I don't, I still don't feel bad. Like I did not want to be in that house. Nothing in me wanted that house. I do, but we worked it out. Everything was just fine. But the point is his renovations, they paid off. It made made sense. He worked hard, he invested and it all worked out. And that's why we've titled this series and this episode, Building a Home Together, Marriage Appraisals and Renovations. Because when you do an appraisal of your marriage and then you begin to renovate the things that need to be worked on, those key focus areas, boy, it is so worth it. And the payoff is incredible. So we're going to give you those five things today. And then in the next episode, we're going to give you the other five. So there are 10 key areas that every couple really needs to work on in their marriage to build that amazing home and life together, that marriage relationship. So what are they? If you're going to build an amazing home and life together, the first key component that you need to focus focus on is the foundation. Just like any house, you know, in a house, sometimes the foundation has a basement and sometimes it has a concrete slab. But the reality is it's got to have a good foundation. Beyond Jesus, for a marriage, the foundation is words. Now, in a building, a house, the foundation is the very thing the whole house rests on. Well, the foundation of a marriage is words. I mean, think about it. God created everything with words. Yeah, he did. The very world that we live in was created with words. Well, in the Bible, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 5, here's what it says. But they deliberately forgot that long ago... By God's words, the heavens came into being and the earth was formed out of water and by water. That's crazy. It's incredible. The very foundation of the world was God's words. And since God created everything with words, he chose words to be the foundation of the world. Your marriage relationship started with the same thing. It It started with words. Which ones? Well, that's pretty obvious. Your marriage started with Two words, I do. Yeah, you had to say those two words in order to begin your marriage. Yeah, 
And, it, you know, it's funny because words are still so important way beyond the day that you got married. Your marriage will ultimately be built or torn down with words, you know, encouraging words that build up or mean divisive words that tear down. Words are one of the most powerful tools a marriage has to build a strong foundation. The Bible says that the tongue has the power to give life and to take it. And one of the most specific and effective ways that we have discovered, Don, you and I, for a couple to use the tool of words is through what we call a thing uh, called verbalosity. Verbalosity means to use positive words generously. Yeah. We merged them together. We, we took the word verbal and generosity and created a new word, verbalosity. We had to. Why? Because there was nothing in the English language that described the idea of using words, yeah. which is being verbal, and then being generous with your words. In other words, to use positive words generously. It's the idea that when a couple makes a practice out of using many positive words daily, that they can speak over their spouse to really build up their marriage. So next to practicing verbalosity, one of the best ways we know to build a solid foundation with words is to define your marriage mission statement. So why does your marriage exist and what words best describe that? Not a statement that's long, but one that is short and concise. I know we both agreed that we needed to create a marriage mission statement with words for our own marriage. And about 10 years ago, we sat down and we wrote one, and this is what our marriage mission statement is. And I know we shared this in, on past episodes, but we want to share it again. Our mission is this. We find our purpose in loving Jesus and in building relational bridges so that others can know his love. Our life is not about money. It is about mission. Our life is not about property. It is about purpose. And everything that we do and our goals and everything, we go back to our mission. This is the mission for our marriage. It really is. And it's cool because it's actually painted, hand painted on a canvas and it's hanging right next to us in, right now. In our we, living room. We, we look at it every, every single, day. single day and it's so good. Again, we're talking about those key components that relate to a house, but also the things that we know about in a house that relate to marriage. So the key components of a house or a marriage is also not just the foundation or words, but it's hardware. And it really for an actual house, it's it's the nails and the screws and what we would call hardware. And it's what holds the lumber or the building itself together. It's like glue, keeping it together through bad weather and through the many years of a home's life. Now for a marriage, the hardware, what is the marriage, you know, hardware? What does that look like in a marriage, you know, that glues it together and holds that marriage? What would that be? It would be affection. It's when couples hold hands, they hug, they cuddle, they embrace, they lay together with skin to skin in contact or when they have sex. And what's so important about that is it binds them together. According to Dr. Corey Floyd, a professor of communication at the University of Arizona, here's what he wrote about a thing called affection deprivation in a study of more than 500 participants. Here's what he wrote. He studied the effects of, of what he calls skin hunger. And he was discovering that people who experienced this phenomenon were, among other things, more lonely, depressed. They had less social support. They experienced more mood and anxiety disorders and an inability to interpret and express emotions. That's interesting that they label it skin hunger. Like you are lacking that. You're lacking that skin to skin contact of just 
touching. Yeah, affection. it's wild. We just ate hamburgers for yeah. lunch and we had sweet potatoes and a whole bunch of other stuff. We were hungry, but we, um, what's that like to have your, your skin be hungry? That's that loneliness. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. So is your marriage skin starved? Could it be possible that your marriage is weaker and both you and your spouse less fulfilled due to the lack of skin to skin contact? Again, that hardware for the marriage, affection. So we, Don and I, we would recommend at least 20 to 30 minutes a day of skin to skin contact between a husband and a wife. I mean, there's just something powerful about when a husband and a wife physically touch each other every day. I know, Travis, this is something that I appreciate. When we drive in the car together, you hold my hand most of the time that we're driving. And I just love that you reach over and that counts. That's to me, that's skin to skin contact. I love it. In our house, we we hug and we kiss, you know, it's just us alone in this house, but we are still affectionate. We want to make sure that we don't suffer from skin hunger. And I appreciate you because you're very affectionate. Um, and I'm very blessed that you are that way. And I'm glad that you're that way too. You receive it and give it back. Well, again, we're talking about marriage appraisals and renovations, and we're contrasting and comparing a house to your marriage. Well, the key components of a house or a marriage beyond the foundation, which is words, and the hardware, which is affection, the next thing is this, the four walls. We have walls in our home. Like, we need them. For an actual home, you need four walls. You need the ability to be protected from all sides, both from the elements and bad weather, along with privacy for daily living. Your house is for you and your spouse and your family. No one has someone else living with them unless they choose to have someone else in their home. The four walls of a home represent intimacy. Intimacy in a marriage. Yes. And just like, you know, in a home, you wouldn't want to step out of the shower and you're missing a wall no, or two. Like, like that would be so no. embarrassing. Who wants that? You want that privacy behind the closed doors in your home. Again, for a marriage, the four walls are intimacy. This is the communication, affection, and sexual pleasure that you both share together that no one else will ever know about. It's amazing that a husband and wife can have a completely unknowable life behind the closed doors of their home or their bedroom. Intimacy is crucial in a marriage. Intimacy and privacy is just so important. You know, Travis, we will often have conversations that we would never have around anyone else. We talk about things and explore ideas out loud that could be offensive or inappropriate to others, but because they are shared in the privacy of our relationship and in our home with the desire to gain understanding, we aren't doing anything yeah. wrong or inappropriate. Instead, we're creating a much deeper bond with one yeah, another. Yeah, that's crazy that you and I can talk about things that are on our hearts that we wouldn't want to say yes. to anybody else. But because it's in the privacy and it's an intimate conversation, man, that's so powerful that you and I have that together, that every couple listening has that together. It's crazy, though, because, you know, intimacy doesn't always involve sexual pleasure. I mean, it definitely can, but intimacy is just having those private conversations that that one-on-one time. But it does include sexual intimacy. It, it definitely and couples does. should be sexually intimate with each other on a very regular basis. We have often said this, love expressed through sexual intimacy plus a lifelong marriage commitment equals the most deeply fulfilling relationship possible. And that's so 
true. There are no rules against being overly sexually intimate with your spouse. On the other hand, the Bible actually goes the opposite direction when it warns married couples that they could be entering dangerous relational territory when they are not sexually intimate on a regular basis. It talks about this in the Bible in 1 Corinthians 7, 1. It says, now getting down to the questions you asked in your letter to me. First, is it a good thing to have sexual relations? Certainly, but only within a certain context. It's good for a man to have a wife and for a woman to have a husband. Sexual drives are strong, but marriage is strong enough to contain them and provide for them a balanced and fulfilling sexual life in a world of sexual disorder. Abstaining from sex is permissible for a period of time if you both agree to it and if it's for the purposes of prayer and fasting, but only for such times. Then come back together again. Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. I'm not commanding these periods of abstinence. Yeah, that's interesting too. And I love that it says Satan has an ingenious way of tempting us when we least expect it. And really it's when, you know, a marriage is sexless, when there isn't that intimacy or that physical contact and we're not careful, all of a sudden it sneaks up on us. Why? Because we're in a, a really sexually, highly sexually charged society. I mean, it's everywhere. It's available to us. And so he is saying, look, couples, you need the four walls yes, of intimacy. You, you need that. to be able to hide behind those four walls and be one. Kind of like God said, the two will be one flesh and be together. I know some of you guys may be thinking, why is sexual intimacy so important in a marriage relationship? And why did God create sex and then command us to have sex? Well, sexual intimacy is one of the most powerful tools that God has given married couples to increase closeness with their spouse and to fully enjoy life with one another. And if you want to go a little bit deeper with this, in episode 12 and 13, we actually have two podcast episodes that are just focused on sexual intimacy. And I would encourage you to go back and listen to those. Again, episode 12 and 13. Yeah. And we're talking about what does it take to build, you know, a home together, one that is full of life and a great, strong marriage. And we're comparing and contrasting those you know, key components in a house with the key components in a marriage. So man, as with any house, one of the most important pieces in a house is the power systems. And for an actual house, it would be nearly impossible to live in a home without electricity, heat, hot water, and air conditioners. I mean, the thing that allows us to have light at night and to control our environment or the temperature in our home, really, if you boil it down to it, it is electricity. We even, at our house, you and I, Don, we have a well in the back of our house and it pumps up water out of the ground with electricity so that we can water our grass, our lawn. Well, any home that lacks the power systems that are needed to run that home, they're usually abandoned or not being used. Mm -hmm. I mean, the lights are off and nothing is happening. There's no heat, there's no air conditioning. They are useless. Well, for a marriage, the power system is your spiritual practices that connect you to God. I have to admit that this is the most important one. It, I, it is the most important. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. The power systems in a marriage is, you know, how you interact with Jesus individually and as a couple on a daily or regular basis. I know for me, Don, um, the way that I really tap into that power system of God is, you know, I try to pray every day and most days I'm, I'm able to do that. Not every day, but most days. And then I read my Bible. I love to read a chapter or two out of the Bible. I also
also meet with a men's group once a week. We study the Bible together. I pray throughout my day. I mean, that's something I love to do. And I spend time in community with other Christians. I can't help think of this, Travis, like when it comes to the power system, I have to plug in. I have to charge up. And the ways that I charge up and get filled up is my quiet time with God. I spend time praying every single day. I either do it alone in my room or I do it on the elliptical. I do it on the way to work. There's many times I pray throughout my day. I also definitely read my Bible or listen to the Bible app. I listen to podcasts and I'm making sure that I'm just connecting relationally with people that are encouraging my faith. I have to have that electricity source, like just charging me constantly. And I'm so glad you do plug in, Don, because as you plug in, that has an incredible, powerful impact on our marriage. That's that power system. And that's why C.S. Lewis once said, he said, when I have learned to love God better than my earthly dearest, I will love my earthly dearest better than I do Mm, now. And that is so well said by C.S. Lewis about loving God better and how that allows me, Don, to help. uh, It it makes me a better husband and helps me to love you more. Well, having God's power and the ability to connect with him spiritually as a couple, it's so important because it connects a couple on a deeper level. It's it's closeness, but also it's protection for the marriage. I think we forget about that, that there's something amazing about God's power. It's protection against evil. Now, yes, God's power comes out in our spiritual disciplines, but it's equally important to know what you believe, what your values are, and how you believe you should practice your faith as a couple and and, and as an individual. And the reason why we say that is because anyone can read the Bible. Mm -hmm. Anyone can pray. But that doesn't mean they have great values that match up with the Bible. That doesn't mean that they know what they truly believe. And so it's really important to have those pieces that kind of are a part of your power system as a couple. So what does this look like? Well, as a couple, you need to define your spiritual relationship. How are you going to worship as a couple? Where will you worship? And how often will you worship God? Once you determine the answers to those key questions, then it's so important to live them out with discipline. Now, Don, you and I, we've both seen homes that are void of life. They're abandoned and they're homes that, you know, that are dark. But then we've seen homes that are bursting with light, bursting with energy and people. And, and and they're just, they're alive, right? You can tell when you look at marriages in the same way, they are either filled with God's light of generosity, service towards others and worship. But when you look at other marriages, there are those that are void of God's power. And you see the darkness of selfishness, abuse, negative communication, maybe even addiction and a what's in it for me attitude. Well, the last key component of a house or a marriage that we're going to talk about today in part two of building a home together, marriage appraisals and renovations is this, Wi-Fi. For an actual house, your information systems connect you to the outside world and allow the world to communicate with you and allow you to communicate with the world. For a marriage, the communication system isn't just words. It's the whole process of communication. It's having incredible communication that is free flowing and uninhibited. It's knowing how to communicate, how not to communicate, when to communicate, and when not to communicate. It's having a communication plan. Ongoing communication is for sharing daily life information with one another. It's honoring each other, communicating future dreams and plans, and for communicating with the world in the way 
you and your spouse desire. An example of a communication plan could look like this. I, we know a couple where they refuse to be on social media, but then there's another couple who spend at least 30 minutes a day communicating with their spouse face-to-face. Yeah, that was their communication looking plan. looking into each other's yeah. uh, you know, eyes and face-to-face. And that's so good. It's so healthy. We have a communication plan. We have to make sure that we connect every single day. Normally it's after work. We do connect in the morning too, but we just communicate about our day, about our life and what's coming up in our life. I love what Zig Ziglar said. He said, many marriages would be better if the husband and the wife clearly understood that they are on the same side. And that's what communication does. It reminds you that you are on the same team, that you are fighting for the same goals. Communication in marriage does that. It helps couples know that they are on the same side. They're on the same team. I love being on your team, Travis. It's I love so that we're teammates fun. running the race of life we're together. We're not alone. We get to be a team. It's incredible. I know that's one thing that you have to make sure that no matter what you and your spouse do, be committed to excellent communication. So we're just going to recap the key components of a house or a marriage. And they're this, The foundation, which is just your words there. The hardware, which is affection. The four walls, which is intimacy. Power systems, which is your faith, which is huge. And Wi-Fi, which is communication, being committed to communication. We've been talking about building a home together, marriage appraisals and renovations. And in our next episode, part three, we want to give you five more key areas that relate to normal parts of a real house that will give you the direction you and your spouse can focus on that you need in your marriage to have a healthy and productive yeah, marriage. Yeah. And I'm excited. I'm excited for what we talked about today. I mean, those are things that we need in our marriage, but I'm so excited to unpack the other five in our next episode. Well, hey, we want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Loving the Fight Marriage Podcast. Remember, guys, you can do it. You got this. Keep loving the fight. We'll see you next time. <laughs>